The following podcast is brought to you by Cast Content Media. Hey guys, it's Ron Worley, your most imperfect host of Sons of Ditches. People are liars, thieves, addicts, and assholes. Some people change, and a few make a difference. But everyone has a story. Hey guys, another week of Sons of Ditches. It's Ron Worley, your wonderful, imperfect host. And today I'm here with a gentleman out of North Carolina. Uh, and, you know, his name is Corbin Elliott. Uh, Corbin is a psychological strategist. In other words, he leverages analytical cause and effect problem solving to facilitate a higher degree of emotional well-being and life satisfaction. His tactics are systems-based, and I love that, and rooted in self-observed and external data-driven application. He's going to have to explain that. He's also the host and founder of his podcast, The Peace and Purpose Podcast. Uh, You guys need to check that out, too. Welcome, Corbin. How are you? What's going on, you sons of ditches? (laughs) (laughs) Perfect. (laughs) I I like to go off with a bang right out of the gate, so here we are. (laughs) (laughs) I love it, man. So uh, that's a hell of an intro. Uh, It sounds to me like you've uh, mixed some psychology with some business systems and strategies, almost. Yeah, so what I do is I basically take the entertainment value of Netflix and the well-being benefits of a psychology book and combine them and make content based out of that. So that's like, that's the podcast essentially. Um, So that's what I do. Uh, I take psychological components. So yes, it's very complicated and I need to honestly probably rethink that intro. Um, But at at the, at the, the base, just, you know, for pronunciation, you know, um, I, at the base, I take, I observe myself, and then I combine those observations with actual like psychology literature. Because the problem I noticed is that people, like somebody will put all this work in, these months and months to put out a paper that is theoretically very helpful. But then three people total read it, um, and those three people don't use it. They're just reading right. it to like write another paper on it. Right. Uh, so I basically like take that stuff, combine it with my experience, and then put it out in an entertaining form essentially the the nuggets that i find in there that's what i do and i'm that guy on the internet essentially yeah man that's amazing so no it's actually really good because you're right a lot of people don't uh you know their their work doesn't travel very far it's you know it's a needle in the haystack especially in that industry a hundred percent um and the good the thing that positions me to do that is i was a pre-med student so i read a lot of uh, scientific papers, so I actually learned how to read them quickly. They yeah. figure out what what mattered to the to the person that would actually be able to use it, uh, and then just consolidate that stuff. So I oh, so yeah, that's right. So you have a you were a medical student. Tell us a little bit uh, about that because your story is interesting if, if, to say the least. Um, yeah, yeah. It, it was a it was interesting. You say interesting, I say hot mess. Um, but <laughs> I'll, I'll go ahead and give you a little bit of a, a little bit of an intro. So, yeah, <laughs> my story was based out of me making decisions for the wrong reasons, essentially, and uh, primarily 
as it pertained to my career, like what I was doing to, you know, to make money and to, to do all those things. Um, yeah. And in college, I was interested in a lot of different things. But the problem was I was very wishy-washy about what I was going to focus on and, and do for the rest of my life. And the problem is when in my junior year, I ended up making the decision because I was taking all these different classes to pursue a medical education. Okay. The problem is – and at that point, I was an internationally performing uh, musician. And wow. I was just like, this is not – like in my mind, I I made the choice of practicality, but – it was actually fear. It okay. practic- fear disguised as practicality, essentially. And I said, okay, go do the medical thing. It's a good white-collar job. We're good. When I go to a cocktail party, I'll be able to throw that out there, and everybody will clap you know, or, or whatever. I'll, I'll get that social approval, right? right? right. Um, and I continu- the problem was that would have been great, of course, uh, but I continued to do this and follow this path. And my mental health continued to get worse and worse and worse. Mm. And then even my physical health started to get worse and worse and worse. Uh, so wow. big problems started coming up. Uh, and I was very anxious. That that was really my story. Um, I got very anxious to the point where I was having psychosomatic pain, which is for, for you those of you who haven't heard of that, it's sort of like your mind, the problems you're having mentally manifest physically. Um, oh, wow. And you start having pains and muscle spasms. That's how mine manifested. Wow. Um, okay. And it, I mean, it got to the point where I was in bed for a full week, could not move. I'm 23, mind you. Yeah. Um, and I cannot move in the bed for a week. I have to have my wow. girlfriend come in and walk me to the freaking bathroom. Um, wow. So after that, I didn't have too much of a choice. You know, I'm laying in bed going, how am I going to correct this thing? Yeah. And at that point, I didn't have much of a choice but to, to take a path that was more authentic to me. So that's a little bit of an intro to me. Yeah, so you're you're saying the path that was authentic to you, uh, which I think a lot of people struggle with, especially at that you know young age, college age, uh, right after high school, that kind of time. Uh, everybody struggles yeah. with it, but your, yours was so bad, and, and basically your mind just paralyzed you. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, so now does that mean, so how did you correct this? This is how you got into doing what you're doing now. This is how you wrote your book. This is how you have your podcast, right? You just dove deep into it like a medical doctor would, right? (laughs) Yeah. So it, it took a lot of growing pains really. So Whenever when anybody that's in a, in a moment of indecision and they can't decide between pursuing one path or pursuing something else, I recommend asking the question, what do I know that I wish I didn't? Mm. What do I know that I wish I did not? Yeah. Um, for me, that was I, – I knew that I didn't want to become a doctor. I knew that I had other aspirations. So my only choice at this point was to actually follow that thing. But before, until my physical symptoms got really bad, I just stayed in that box because I was afraid of the consequences of change, essentially. Yeah, Uh, I I, I was afraid of actually having to to tell people that I wasn't pursuing this safe thing anymore. But after I got the muscle spasms, like we were just saying, I had to walk out of it. And my process was was long and arduous, frankly. I, I got to the point where... You know, it was very uncomfortable all the time because I went from a situation in which everybody understood what I was doing 
it was a very common thing becoming a doctor you know it was dignified to oh i'm i'm starting a, a media company and it's online <laughs> and, and it's it's very it's very it's a completely different thing right uh, right and a lot of my growing pains came from one trying to find clarity about what i did want but the real reason that's so difficult a lot of the time and to follow that process and actually live it out and I just found this out the other day about myself. I have a fundamental desire to be understood by people. And okay. by changing, I was in a path that people did not understand. And as a result, I, I felt very disconnected and lonely. And that yeah. was a that was really hard, even once I knew what I wanted to do, and still at times is. Um, it, it's difficult because people don't understand exactly what I'm doing unless you're in like a entrepreneur community, like people who do that. Right. Um, so, so that was my process of getting out of that. It was, it was a long one. Yeah. And, and so how many months, I mean, you, so you're laying in bed, you know, you can't move, you got to get walked to the bathroom, these kind of things. And then how long before, uh, you know, you sort of transpired and, and woke up from the dead there? How many months? Yes. That? Many actually. <laughs> so it was, <laughs> it's rough. It's like breaking out of a frame is so difficult. Yeah. yeah you know, sure. and that's after the, I mean, that's after the point of, like, this being in the bed, that wasn't the beginning. It, it had been like eight months of me knowing that things weren't yeah. quite the way they should be. And then even after that, it took time to get out because yeah. just the frame is so strong. And also I was still in a class, you know, I was having to finish what I was doing, you know, or whatever, just to finish the semester. Right. Um, but... It, it takes time even to start pursuing that path and to have just the, the balls to do that, frankly. And right. then for a secondary, it's just like the path of really getting to know what you want once you've adapted the mindset of screw what these people think, I'm going to do my own thing. Yep. Even from there, it really takes time to, to build and get comfortable with saying out in public, hey, this is what I do. Well, so yeah. it took probably four or five months at least. Wow. Yeah, that's a long time. Uh, and, and, you know, I just imagine the amount of, we're already insecure at that age, the amount of insecurity that you had to overcome as well. Uh, you know, you said you felt loneliness, but in my head, I was like, boy, I can't imagine, you know, you're just insecure. You're in a whole different realm that you don't even know anything about. You're a young man. Uh, you're about to embark on something that nobody's really given you a blessing on. And uh, so good on you, man. That's that's amazing. Uh, question for our viewers, uh, anybody that's young out there in that college age, um, you know, that's getting ready. To, what, what do you think is a good piece of advice for somebody that's maybe feeling the same thing you did at the same time? What, what How can they recognize? Let's do that first. Let's see. What are some of the things that they can recognize uh, before they hit them? Yeah. So gosh um college age uh yeah i'd say the most important thing just to set the framework is to get clear on what you want like it's probably an obvious thing to say but it's not easy <laughs> um so i actually have a, a very this is a very exercise you can do right now if you want to um i call it the um the joy journal so i i think the whole the whole game is really built out of 
how many positive emotions can you experience? Like it's either, you know, the, the ratio of positive to negative emotions, I think, denotes whether a life is 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 happy or not or whatever you want to call it. Sure. Um, so the joy journal works like this. At the end of each day, you write in your journal the things that made you the happiest or the things that you enjoyed the most during the day. And then you do that for some number of days. I don't want to set a tough frame. I did it for 30 days just because everybody in pop culture likes to do things for 30 days. Um, (laughs) And so I just did that each day at the end of the day. And then at the end of the 30 days, I look for patterns. So I look for things that made me happy consistently across 30 days. Doing it this way, you remove the guesswork of, oh, maybe I like that thing. No, no, no. This is like you experienced it. You said at the end of the day that you liked that better than other things during the day, and now you have that laid out right in front of your face. So there's no, like, questions um, as far as, oh, would I like that theory, or would I like that in a, you know, maybe? There's no amount of that. So I really like that exercise for that reason. Um, So that's something I'd recommend for people, getting clear on what you want, because if you haven't done that, you're sort of starting out with, like, that's that's a fundamental loss, and regardless of what else you do, you end up not doing very well because you don't even know what you want ultimately. Right. And, you know, they. I think my my generation, the Generation X, I think we're called, uh, we, we were told we just work. You know, you don't get to like or want for anything. You, you, you go to work and you work your ass off until you're 65 and then you retire. Uh, and these days... Kids, uh, Z generation. I, you're a Z, I think, aren't you? Or you uh, I am. Uh, yeah, I would be a Z. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so the Z generation has figured out that you can actually like things. You can actually enjoy your job. You can want to do something different. Uh, in fact, I, I, maybe you know this too. Uh, if you look on any of the social media, if you see a uh, Gen Z talking about their work, they're usually talking about how little work it actually is and how much joy it actually is to them. I mean, it's not the job. It's not a job to them. Um, I don't know if you've noticed that, but that that seems to be uh, quite common with you guys. <laughs> yeah, it definitely is more common. I think it's interesting. If we're creative enough, I think, at this point to find something that we actually like and yeah. can physically keep us alive, like, so we have the money to, to eat and, and like, like live in a house or whatever, you know, sure. those silly things. Um, I, I think we're, I think we've got to the point where we're, we're just creative enough to where we can make it all work if we really want to. Absolutely. Now, in my case, at least, that requires putting a lot of systems together, but you can do it. Um, and it's and it's painful, like I, like I mentioned earlier, if that thing that brings you joy isn't a part of the blueprint that is sociologically around you, like as you're growing up or whatever, that's hard. Um, but like long-term play, it's a great one um, because you'll be actually happy for most of your, your life, <laughs> which is important, that. right? Um, <laughs> It's it, yeah, that's a crazy thought, um, but but yeah, I love it. Yeah, that's uh, that's new to me. I mean, I you know, I most of us become happy at some point in our lives. I mean, that's just it. But uh, I think we spend a lot of our lives just working our butts off, and 
Good on you. And so you keep talking about these systems and I'm very interested. Give us an idea of a system that you use. Um, you use the, you talked about the joy journal. Now, what is a, a good system that you use that you help others do help use? And what, sure. What do? Yeah, no, a hundred percent. So here it is. It's the first, the first step is figuring out what you want it, on a really basic level. And then you need to do things and adapt some sort of mindset that allows you to spend the maximal amount of time in those things. So it's really being very self-aware and then thinking very practically, what do I need to do now to remove all barriers to spend the most amount of time possible in those things? So there's so many different things. I find for – let's do an example that I can really relate to. Yeah, please. So uh, an example would be I don't want to do the medical thing. I want to start my own company. Yeah. Now a couple of – from the safe thing that was giving me a secure paycheck, and now I'm out just trying to figure things out. So to to break through the financial barrier, I put together a system of, okay, I'm going to sell items – and then I'm going to use the profits from those item sales to then buy real estate properties. So then I can develop cash flow off of those assets, get enough money where I know I need – the amount of money I know I need to subsist on a monthly basis, you know, yeah. and then build all those systems out, those asset systems. To now, I don't have – I no longer have the, the friction of I can't afford to live if I make this decision, getting that set into place. Right. So you're doing so what? Removing what most, barriers. Yeah. I love it, man. So so you're actually doing what most people work their whole lives to do, you know, you, you, to uh, to have some sort of asset management um, and so that you can do what you love. I mean, it makes sense. It makes sense to to get rid of all the barriers and, and just do what you love. And, and sometimes, so I talk about it as sometimes you have to have a real job in order to do the job you love. And I spent a lot of years right. doing that myself. So it makes total sense, man. Uh, so that, yeah, you've got hundred percent. So that's your, uh, tell us all the things you're doing because you're, you're an entrepreneur, but give us an example of sure. what your day looks like. Well, the first thing I even shot at was the rental thing because I needed to be able to do whatever I wanted to do without the need, without the worrying. So I broke down those barriers. But a day for me, it depends, so it's, which is really fun. Um, so, like, for instance, today, um, there was some, like, little administrative things, right, that you do with just running a business or whatever. So uh, this morning I was doing something with, with, with banking. I was turning in some forms or something. Um, you know, doing that sort of thing. Then I, so a part of the a branch of the media company that we're actually building out, because it's entertainment and well-being long-term, um, is music. So I, I was oh, a nice. international performer for many years. Um, and a lot of today was actually me memorizing songs, like memorizing, I think it's 50 songs I was working to memorize today. Um, and so that was a big chunk of my day. And then talking to, to awesome people like you and you sons of bitches, um, getting on in here and, and sort of doing some some PR and hopefully 
helping people, um, which is really my long-term game. Yeah. Um, helping people in the specific way that I want to, though, right? You can help people in lots of different ways. Yeah. So I do interviews like this. I am now shooting a um, – the newest season of my podcast is just now getting started. Okay. And I'm actually shooting solo story-based um, podcast episodes with a visual component. So I've been learning how to uh, like shoot in 4K and wow. light and um, and do all these other fun little things uh, yeah. that that we're doing. Um, and then tomorrow I've got a I've got a uh, full dress rehearsal for a couple of live performances we're doing later this month. Um, so I'll be doing getting all the sound. I got my sound guy and my guitarist and all my all my people coming in. Um, to get to work on that. So hopefully the memorization stuff will come into play. So that's just a little <laughs> bit of what I've been doing like recently. <laughs> well, you know, I I don't know. That doesn't sound like, you know, I mean, I'm sure it's tough, but man, what a joy of a day. I mean, you're not really tied down to any one thing. You're you're enjoying life, it sounds like. Yeah, I'm I'm living in candy candy land out here. It's like working <laughs> at Willy Wonka's factory. Like that that's the equivalent of me oh, <laughs> right now. Awesome. So I love it. That's funny. Um, so let's talk. So that's a typical day or a day in your in your neighborhood. Do you, how many employees do you have? I am well. Okay, let me let me let me put it this way. I have people that I would consider to be they're really contractors. So like I got a guitarist. Yeah. You know, I've got people that work with me. Sure. But the way I function is I actually divvy out equity stakes in in specific projects. So like for a guitarist or somebody doing light design or whatever. Um, I actually give them equity, not in the company, but in um, in a specific yeah. project. Yeah. So if, yeah, exactly, and in that in a job precisely, and in that way, and it's it's not many. I don't I don't know that I want to have a lot of employees. I don't know if I want to actually grow very much, yeah. um, be, be, because I I feel like that turns into more HR work than I really want to do, yeah. or I want to outsource <laughs> out, which I could of course do, right. Um, right? But but for the for the primary, if I need somebody to do something, or if I need a guitarist or something, then I'll just give them an equity stake in a specific project. Yeah. Um, so there's a there's a guitarist I work with. I used to have a podcast host, um, but I ended up changing the formatting this season, so he he ended up going out. Um, but little, just little people like that, which I actually like better than running a you know three hundred person company. You know that oh, I hear yeah. a lot about. So, yeah, that's uh, I can just tell you by experience. It's what you're doing is more fun, and and people actually the way the the world's working these days. You know, we don't have uh, a lot of people are on Zoom and uh, they're not going into their offices. So employees are actually becoming an extinct. It sounds like. Uh, so good on you. You're yeah, already. That's an, Sorry, I interrupted you. I think it got cut off a little bit there. Oh no! I, I think I think, I think the, the gig right economy, time. gig economy is exploding. You know, I think it's that whole the internet just like opened that door up and said, "Hello, come on in." Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. so 100, I can see that trend. <laughs> What'd you just call it? Gig economy. Yeah, the gig economy. Yeah. What? Tell tell me what that is because I'm too old to understand that. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah, the gig economy is sort of like you are very – it's like as independent contractor as a person could humanly oh, just exist gotcha. as. Like yeah. they're, they're sort of jumping around doing little things like here and there. That That's yeah. sort of what the gig is as opposed to having full-time, like right. one company, that sort of thing. Kind of like a freelance deal. 
Gotcha. Precisely. Yeah. 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 Okay. Well, I'm on the same page. I guess I'm not as old as I thought. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so at the end of every show, and I apologize, I know my show goes quick and, and I certainly want to have you back on, but at the end of my show, every, every, at the end of every show, we're going to have to cut that part out. Uh, at the end of every show, we do, <laughs> we'll have to do, uh, we do Brewster's Billions. Uh, my, my people know what this is, but I'll explain it again in case you're a first time listener. Uh, billion, Brewster's Billions is, I'm going to give you $1 billion. Corbin, congratulations. You have $1 billion and you have to spend it in one month on anything you want, but you're not allowed to, at the end of 30 days, you're not allowed to have any assets or any extra cash. What do you do with it and why? So at the end of the 30 days, yes. I can't have any asset. Can I have assets during? <laughs> yes. Yes. Just you have okay. to have zero assets, no profit at the end of it. Okay. You can even give no it away. No profit. Okay. Okay. Yeah. If there's no profit, here's here's what I'd do, honestly. I would... I would donate a lot of it to charity, fr charity, frankly, like especially there's no asset, no long term play here. Yeah. I would 100 percent like I would I would donate a lot to medical causes. I think uh, mental health sort of just coming from my background, like those yeah. sort of causes. Um, I think I would help a lot of people actually get their businesses started. Um, so That's people that were, you know, if they're if they're in a similar place to where I was sort of ground zero, um, I would do that sort of thing, and then probably travel a little bit and act like a lunatic. <laughs> yes, uh, I had somebody on the show that said that they would buy cocaine for the state of Florida. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. <laughs> there we go. So yours is pretty practical, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> it was. All right. So Jeez, I should have upped the ante. <laughs> yeah, you should have. Yeah, darn it. Uh, tell us how we uh, get to catch your show. Uh, give us all the, you know, what's, what's your www and all that good stuff. Yeah, here's my www. Um, <laughs> I would. It's called uh, affectmediaproductions.com. This is really a place. This is the one-stop shop, really. Uh, if you go there, it, it has our podcast episodes, and then you can link out. So, like this, um, this season, we're doing audio and video. video video geez um so you can click you can go to youtube you can go to spotify anywhere you want to out of that website um and we'll have some other things popping up there so affectmediaproductions.com and that's with an a like effect yep yep i uh, and we'll put that on there for you too uh on the video at the bottom here uh just so you guys know uh, Corbin, it has been my pleasure to talk to you and I think we should have you back on in the near future, or at least you and I become friends. Cause I like your, your style, man. You are one cool dude and I sure appreciate you coming on. <laughs> well, thanks, man. I, I appreciate you having me. Hey, thanks. Thanks for, uh, holding up for everybody out there. I was 15 minutes late cause I was stuck in an airport. Thanks to our wonderful Colorado weather. Uh, so thanks for being patient with me too, my friend. And thank you, sons of ditches. All right, <laughs> till next time. <laughs> and that's it, guys. Thank you for tuning in to Sons of Ditches. 
For more information, go to my website, ronworley.com, and my YouTube channel, Sons of Ditches. Facebook, Ron L. Worley, or Instagram at Ronald L. Worley II.